first a spine-chilling murder. He cut her body into 35 pieces, stored them in a fridge, and then stealthily went out at 2 a.m. every night, slowly disposing of different parts of her body in a forested area of Delhi in an attempt to cover up the crimes. But then there's more horror. A murder most foul, followed then by misogyny, bigotry, and victim shaming. And in the process, has the real issue gotten buried? That's the public crisis of domestic violence against women. Is the issue of women's safety becoming a casualty in the Shraddha murder case too? Has the toxic focus on issues like how Shraddha met her partner via a dating app, on how she was in a live-in relationship, whether she made choices that were independent of her family's wishes, does that take away from the grim National Crime Records Bureau data that shows the massive scale at which Indian women face violence? Tonight on We The People, we don't want to go on about the gory details about this macabre crime. Instead, let's focus on the lessons to be learned from the Shraddha Valkar murder case. Tonight, we're asking how can we ensure that other Shraddhas out there who are putting out red flags, who are isolated and depressed about being judged for exercising their choices, does not become another statistic. Violence against women is an ugly reality. Let's not pretend it doesn't exist. Instead, how can we create an ecosystem that will support girls to leave toxic relationships before it's too late? My first guest on We The People tonight, we have Nishtha Satyam, Chief of Mission at the UN Women in uh, Timor-Leste right now, and Kavita Krishna, a women's rights activist. Nishtha, first to you, domestic violence intensified during the pandemic. The UN Women even named it as, gave it a name, Shadow Pandemic, but somehow, there is an insinuation here that Shraddha is, you know, um, an exception. I mean, this is a one-off, odd, really macabre, crazy case, and she brought it all on herself. Absolutely, and that's probably the, that is equally disheartening as much as the crime is. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous uh, that we don't recognize that this is the greatest tragedy of our times. It is the most pervasive form of violence against humanity. It cuts across all forms, and we also know that 93% of violence against women is intimate partner violence. It is by those who we trust, who we let into our circle of trust. So either by statistic or by details, this is really no exception. I think women across the world, particularly in COVID, and even in this case, we see what happens when systems of communication reaching out to others actually break down, how isolation actually works. This is a case of the typical anatomy of domestic violence. Uh, and therefore, by, uh, by, by, by any scan, this is really not an exception. And uh, it's heartbreaking, but I know both anecdotally from the experience of work and from statistic itself, that there are many more Shraddhas in the world right yes. now as we speak who continue to suffer. And I think that is really the most worrying part of the conversation today. And they continue to suffer because perhaps we're focusing on the wrong issues. One of the bogeys being raised here is the fact that, you know, Ankita met this partner on an online dating site as opposed to the conventional manner where like, you know, your parents introduce someone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to bring in Ankita Chavla here. She is a content creator, a marketing consultant. Ankita, uh, you know, you're part of Young India, crores of whom are on dating sites right now. How, what, what, have, what are your thoughts about, um, about this? Because dating apps suddenly uh, 
people on it looked at uh, strangely, perhaps being vilified for it. I mean, do you think that you go out on a dating site and you expect to be butchered by a madman? Or could that happen anywhere? I wouldn't like to give the idea that uh, being butchered by a madman is definitely a direct result of being on a dating app because that's the last thing a girl would imagine when she downloads an app to actually find someone she can have a like decent conversation with. That being said, I mean, as you mentioned, dating apps are not a new phenomena. They've existed for a while but the only reason they come into discussion is because something so gruesome has happened. And I think the way we talk about this incident has so, so, so much uh, impact on how, like, the entire discourse about women dating men and women being with men in modern relationships is viewed not just by young adults, but by a lot of impressionable minds. When you have politicians actually placing the blame of being in a live-in relationships and, or being in a live-in relationship and saying that educated girls these days often get into live-in relationships without any legal registration. All right. And Let's clear up that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'll just wrap this up. And should be aware of such consequences. I do feel it's a little unfair to place the entire blame of such consequences on just one gender. Well, actually, these politicians, what they're doing is abdicating responsibility for uh, tackling a serious crisis that we have in the country. Because you have the Assam, uh, the Assam chief minister who's also made these obnoxious statements. And Assam is a state that is among the top five states in India when it comes to violence against women. But instead of, instead of handling that problem and seeking to address that problem, it is easier to then make it about different bogies like live-in relationships and online dating, etc. Okay, Ankita says online dating has been a around for a long time. Arun Mishra, please come in over here. You're the CEO and founder of Briz Volley. It's a mobile app development team, uh, dating apps, etc. You make all of this. Um, <clears throat> uh, one would... One had thought at one point of time, you know, they've been around for a long time and they are growing. Is that not correct? Thousands daily are joining dating apps, uh, downloading these dating apps, choosing to try and meet someone on these dating apps. And over the past week, though, the growing popularity of dating apps have been vilified. It's been blamed for everything from the cause of youth unemployment to moral apathy of Indian youth, though cross and cross of young men and women are using dating sites like Bumble, the dating app through which Radha and Aftab met. Is there a generational divide here? Yes, so thanks for having me, Sada. And like you said, um, everyone is using dating, app, dating apps these days. And during pandemic, during uh, COVID, three billion right swipe happened in, in one day on Tinder. So uh, we cannot just um, uh, say that that we should stop it. We cannot stop it. We have to accept it. And when you talked about the generational divide, let me tell you, people up to 30 are actually using apps like Bumble and Tinder. But between 30 to 65 years of age, people are using something like Mass.com. And even above 65, people are using something like eHarmony and other religious matchmaking sites. So you cannot just say that it's just a phenomenon of young people. It's like finding new people. It's the way to find new people um, in, on Internet. And everyone is using it. 
we can blame um, dating apps for this kind of gruesome murder and and uh, we politicians and it are is no just as safe or unsafe as it is meeting someone in a coffee shop or meeting someone via your parents etc is that correct yes yes let me tell you one give you one statistics 55% 54% of the of the match that happened on tinder or any other uh, dating app is successful these days according to one survey and 40 14% mm. people uh, meeting on uh, these dating apps are actually getting married so we cannot just say that this is um, dating apps are responsible for these kind of uh, of uh, murder this kind of um, attacks on on women this can happen anywhere whether it's they are meeting online whether they are meeting in coffee mm. shop whether they are meeting through their parents uh, we have seen uh, cases happen when um, um, <clears throat> these are meeting through through their families actually and even even in uh, regular marriages, when marriages are not uh, happening uh, as per their ways, when marriages are happening as per their parents' ways, even then these kind of uh, things happen. So we cannot just blame these dating apps. Everyone is using it. Everyone Absolutely. Has Look, it. you have uh, the National Crime Records Bureau that says there have been about 6,500 women killed in dowry-related deaths the last year alone. Okay, Does that mean dowry deaths are not living deaths? Uh, dowry deaths Probably many of them are arranged marriages. Dowry deaths are probably within the same community and uh, you know within the same caste. They're not inter-religious marriages like in this case. So one cannot just blanket say that this is a problem. Okay, the other bogey, of course, is live-in relationships. Roheta uh, Narahariseti, associate editor at the Swaddle, joins us. In regard to live-in relationships, the law is clear, Roheta, but. I mean, you may not approve. Whether or not you approve, that's different. But the law is clear. Live-in relationships is not an offense. It is not a crime. Absolutely, yeah. And um, the law is clear. And I think I would say that the problem is the idea of societal acceptance. The fact that we talk about live-in relationships in this framing. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, the NCRB stats are clear. Um, within marriages, there are people who are there are women who are dying every single day. Even this year, there have been women. There have been a lot of um, grisly cases where men have killed their wives over very trivial issues. Um, and so, all of this points out that women are killed irrespective of what they do. They could be conforming to all the institutions and norms, all the societally accepted uh, norms, but they could be killed as wives. They could be killed as young young women seeking education and killed by stalkers, as we saw happening in Chennai last uh, month. And they could be killed um, by partners that they met through dating apps. But the way it's been reported is the focus is overwhelming, overwhelmingly on live-in relationships as a sensational cautionary tale. Mm. Um, we never point to the institution of marriage as being fatal for women, but we say that about live-in relationships because it points to an anxiety about uh, women's sexuality, women's honor. There's a protectionist attitude um, um, at play in this narrative. So yeah. um, there's a lot of focal points that should not have become focal points uh, in the way that this case is being spoken about. The fact that she uh, did not obey her parents, um, that she was in a live-in relationship and she met someone through a dating app. All of this is not part of the norm of what women are supposed to do. And yet even the women who do what they are supposed to do are killed in a very horrific ways. So and that's not the other. The other bogey, of course, is the whole communal bogey. Kavita Krishnan, um, the Assam Chief Minister, 
other ministers have all talked about uh, this issue saying that you know she married somebody out of her religion she went against her parents wishes as if to say that um, this would not have happened or it doesn't happen in relationships where uh, you the partner has been picked by your parents uh, the where the partner is from the same caste the same community etc see i think that uh these statements that are coming out they're coming out from very senior leaders in this government and they are not uh, random statements so in fact while they are very uh, detestable statements we should uh, acknowledge what they mean what does that mean it means that you have a government you have people in power uh, who are using a an incident of domestic violence and killing as fodder for their uh, disgusting campaign which is as communal as in as anti muslim as it is anti women because essentially their hatred for muslims is uh, in competition with and on par with <coughs> their hatred for women's freedom and women's dignity uh, you can see very clearly that these are not people and these are not just the only two so koshal kishor giriraj singh um, as well as the uh, himanta bishwa sharma um, uh, this uh, kapil mishra of delhi uh, so many of these people even the aam aadmi party leader naresh balyan by the way uh, made this kind of a tweet uh, essentially implying uh, that uh, aftab equals terrorism or whatever yeah. it is see this uh, the point is that around the same time as aftab in the same month of november you have had uh, so many instances of a man killing their intimate partner in delhi itself uh, and outside delhi if you count then it's much more and those include instances where hindu men uh, named rahul and rohit have killed muslim women named salma or gulshana or whatever it is so this is clearly not about religion and that's uh, completely apparent but you see uh, i think that there is a larger problem uh, of course there is uh, this political uh, political wish to essentially make all this fodder for a communal narrative that's there but beyond that i would say that the fact that all of us the media and so many of us the fact that we tend to not be we tend to say that the shocking part is the butchering of the body after it was killed yeah. so we are fascinated by those details we are repelled by those details we are not shocked by the pandemic of domestic violence intimate partner violence that is Correct. there in our country all over the world in our country the delhi high court has said that of women uh, you know women's murders uh, in 9 out of the 10 cases that come before them the perpetrator is the husband the victim is the wife and the place of the killing is the home uh, think about that and this is not just in india all over the world this is the reality uh and if we really think about what that means prolonged domestic violence prolonged domestic violence essentially means that you are you know being in an abusive relationship is being imprisoned it is being uh, subjected to custodial torture uh for a prolonged period of time it has a an impact on your entire being on your spirit uh and uh the fact that we are not shocked by that and that all we have to, we have only two ways of responding to that as a society one is to say oh if it's that bad why doesn't she leave and the other is to say that the laws made to offer some relief to these women uh, are basically you know being misused for false cases so if you ask people uh, do you know you know uh, who 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 talk who campaign about false cases 
you ask them, you know, do you believe that any cases are real? Well, until and unless the woman is killed, it's not real. Yeah. The same is for rape also, of course, that, you know, if a woman complains of rape, Correct. oh, she must be lying. But, you know, if she's killed, then you make a whole the thing about hmm. it. The point is that domestic violence is what we should be shocked by. And we should ask ourselves, why are we not you know, spending our anger in yeah. demanding from the government? Why is it that our shelters are like prisons? Uh, why is it that, uh, the in, that women are shamed inside shelters, so-called? We don't have enough shelters. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, uh, a way in which... We didn't have an ecosystem that made it possible for her to break out of this horrific circle and cycle of violence that she was in. Yes. Because she did try. She definitely she, put out the red flags. Women, women she tried to reach try. out, but she was just completely isolated. And that is what we need to focus on right now. Not all of these bogies, especially That's the easy. communal bogie that our politicians are trying to raise in an election season. Uh, but uh, I want to then go back to the question we started off the show with. What can we learn from this? How can we do this differently so we're not back here in studio in another month discussing another case? Uh, Veda Chopra, senior psychologist at the Manas Foundation. This is an unimaginably ghastly murder by a partner, a live-in partner, after Punawala in Delhi. But are we missing the bus here? In Shraddha's case, I want to ask, because a lot of parents are wondering, um, you know, what are the lessons to be learnt from this horrific episode? I think one of the first lessons that we, and, and one of the first things that we, you know, speak about is the generational gap. And with respect to women, we've not been able to understand why this generational gap exists. Uh, when we are easily uh, okay with learning smartphones, then why aren't we understanding women's expression for freedom and how it's been changed over the years? Second, what kind of role models or what kind of parenting styles are we adopting with respect to men? Uh, because, you know, whenever there's violence against women, somehow the gender that we focus on becomes women. Why aren't we focusing on the other gender and conversations with that other gender that hmm. why was such an act perpetrated? Hmm. And the second thing is we need to understand as a society, not just societal role models, but how severe life, ex adverse life experiences can lead to unprocessed trauma and can lead to all of these things. We focused on so many things apart from mental illness, apart from mental health, uh, apart from how do we uh, sort of do a societal reformation of how men are raised, what are their thinking hmm. styles, what are the ideologies that they're following, what are the value and belief systems that are imparted to them. And to stop this, we need to start having and engaging conversations with men about safety for women. Um, and the gender that we focus on is completely wrong. We're saying, why did Shraddha express her freedom? We should ask, what led Aftab to kill Actually, her? Actually, I think that's a va very valid point. We know so much about Shraddha, how she was away from her family. We have not checked till now, what about Aftab's family? What has Aftab's family said about him? What, is the, where, what are the turns and wrongs that he has taken in his life so much? I think that's a very valid point. But Nishta, I want to uh, go back to you and Kavita. What can we learn from this? What do we need to do differently? I think what was the most depressing is that this young woman was so isolated. You know, uh, her family, uh, she had sullied the family name perhaps by doing something that they didn't approve of. In the end, she was incommunicado in another city for months, unable to address this issue of intimate partner violence because she was possibly shamed that somebody would say, I told you so. And so in the end, she had nowhere to go. Absolutely. I think, um, 
I think it's all been said. I think what we need to realize is the need, the need for investment to understand the drivers of violence. Again, it also goes back to the kind of reporting that we are facing. We know so much about Shraddha, but we know so little about Aftab. Yes. Uh, what happened? What was his childhood? What went wrong? Who are his parents? Uh, this is not about shaming, but this is about an investigation that helps us to understand the drivers of violence. Two, we need to understand by now that there is an established anatomy of domestic violence. A murder doesn't happen overnight. These are crimes that happen on an everyday basis. And we must not normalize violence in its most, in, in any form across any kind of space. Yeah. And it's for that, it's important that we talk about these things every single day. That we, This is not about a gruesome murder. This is not about a chilling murder. But this is about something that plagues humanity. A pandemic, right? And and really the oldest surviving pandemic in the world. We uh, domestic violence is the is is really the oldest surviving derivative of patriarchy. It is the oldest violation of uh, humanity and women, and the most fundamental violations of any kinds of rights. Uh, what we also need to know is ecosystem support is absolutely critical. Yes, shelters. Would she have walked into a shelter? Maybe yes, maybe not. What would have been absolutely important is people around to be uh, to be aware and for people to not always treat domestic violence as a private issue. The yeah. sacrosanctness that we that we build around relationships, particularly, and you see the aspiration for marriage here. Uh, this, I think it starts by how we groom our children, what we aspire them, what we what we groom them for. Yeah. This whole so again, another important point, when oh, someone yes. reaches out, when someone gives you a sign that things are not going well, one, don't treat it like a private matter. It's not a private matter. It's a, it's a social matter that we all need to be a part of to fix. And two, don't be judgmental because judgmental attitudes leads to a fear of social stigma and that prevents girls from reporting violence against them and then you can't break out of a relationship that is violence and that also empowers the aggressor in this case. Kavita Krishnan, uh, last word to you on this. What are the learning lessons? What do we need to do as a society? What can we learn? What can we take away from this uh, to ensure that this doesn't happen again? I think that uh, if you're feeling angry about this, and I hope that many people are, uh, I think that that anger should be nurtured, but we should uh, think about where to direct that anger. It is all too easy to only direct it on this one perpetrator that you're being told so much about by the media, but it's not the right thing to do. The right thing to do, I think, is to, you know, uh, one, one place to direct anger is to recognize that, yes, okay, society, you know, has many prejudices. There are many, many people around us who will say, oh, live-in relationships are wrong or, uh, you know, um, Hindus, girls shouldn't marry Muslim men and this and that. They may be all prejudices. But the point is that when uh, those who hold power, who have the power to allocate resources from the taxes that we pay, when those people are, uh, you know, trying to fan the fires of this misogyny and bigotry, instead of uh, really putting money uh, into setting up shelters, into setting up, uh, hmm. you know, counseling, into setting up uh, helplines, into messaging. When was, you know, have you ever, in my life here in India, I have not seen public messaging about domestic violence, which is paid for by government uh, funds, not a single message. So why not? 
why is it that uh, there are no guidelines about what how to respond why is it that we are not uh, telling people uh, how to uh, you know deal with a situation if their friends are in this kind of a crisis yeah and of course the last thing that you see pay, you know you know that the the situation in which a woman you know instead of imagine the impact of these comments that are being made by political parties yeah you see yeah. when a person is isolated she you are you are teaching people now that the isolation was correct and that the lesson to be learned is absolutely the wrong one which is that you know just do what your parents tell you yeah. and then at least if you uh, you know get beaten up or killed well you know you've just been a good woman yeah. what is this you know the whole point that a parent should not you know do this punish right. their daughter for her independence that is the lesson okay so let's uh, quickly last word then ankita chavla as a representative of the youth I just want to get a quick response from you. I'm sure you've been talking to friends, etc. What is the response of the youth to this whole thing that you know do uh, what your parents ask you to, and if you don't, your parents will ostracize you, and at no point can you come home. In the olden days, when you were married, parents told you if you came home and complained of domestic violence, you were told, "Beta, now this is your new house. Sort it out." Is that changing at all? I do feel it's still not so much about seeking your parents approval as much as much as it's about the conversations we have with each other which is majorly about why aren't we talking about that any of any one of us could be a shadda tomorrow but nobody talks about the fact that there could be an aftab in the building in the making somewhere around us and the focus is not on them it's always the focus on the shadda having to take extra precaution but not for the aftabs to be identified in the making and i do feel if any parent is watching this i hope they keep a stronger eye on uh, not just their daughters, daughters but also sons that they're raising and because at the end of the day if both consenting adults use a dating app both of them are equally responsible of the decisions they take the dating app is not at fault Correct. it's the same thing as blaming whatsapp for facilitating communication but the app is only a code at the end of the day it's the decisions two consenting adults make and if one of them overpowers the other and leads to a murder of someone yeah the narrative needs to be as such that warns people accordingly and not the victim all right uh, thank you so much uh, ankita chavla arun mishra nishtha satyam kavita krishna and veda chopra and rohita narhari sethi thank you all for joining us on uh, we the people will be hope we have gone beyond uh, you know just those gory details to look deeper into all of us our society and where we lie at fault thank you for joining us bye bye